Here it is. Welcome to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? My name is Chris. They call me Chaus. I am your host, welcoming you back to the ADF Underground for week 10 of the NFL. Can you believe it is week 10 already? Unbelievable. And moving forward, I mean, it almost felt like a carryover from last week based on how the NFL had changed to what we had already thought and how the teams have been progressing. It was definitely a carryover from week nine because a lot of upsets happened this week. A lot of crazy things transpired. So, I mean, let's hop right into it. We got a lot to cover. So six teams on the bye week. So fantasy football implication was huge. We were all scrambling to find replacements. We hit up a lot on our articles on All Day Football. Hopefully we helped you out. We hit a couple, that's for sure. But the six teams on the bye, we had the Broncos, the Texans, the Jags, the Patriots, the Eagles, and the Redskins all not playing this week. We normally don't see six teams on the bye, so it did leave for a lighter schedule on the slate. But let's kick it right back to Thursday night football between the L.A. Chargers and the Oakland Raiders. So heading into this contest, the Raiders were favored And I could legitimately say I didn't see it. I couldn't understand why Vegas was saying that the Raiders should win this contest. But, I mean, playing in Oakland, the Chargers were coming off a fantastic victory against the Packers, which was a huge upset in its own right. But traveling to Oakland, and the Raiders have been moving in the right direction. I just didn't believe it would have taking them to this next level for this week on a Chargers club that is obviously keen on continuing to make the playoff push. And they didn't really show up. I mean, the game was close. The game had its back and forth. But I want to jump and talk about Phillip Rivers. I said it last week and the week before. I think the time is starting to set on his career. He is not the same player. I mean, Phillip Rivers... It's argumentative that he is in that even near elite category. He's far from elite. Let's not kid ourselves. But, I mean, he was a good quarterback in his day. He had his seasons. But, I mean, as we start to see him play as the year moves forward, it's very difficult to make a case that he can continue. Um, Even as they were playing this game, he threw three interceptions And ugly ones, too. He was missing reads. He was getting confused by that zone. The scheme was very good by the Raiders. And he just couldn't find his targets. I mean, he found Keenan Allen, but none of it was for, like, huge gains. You know, Melvin Gordon, he was the one that basically was moving the offense while Rivers was more more or less chunking down the field to make these scores. I really didn't like the play of this Chargers offense whatsoever. So for me, when I go to look at the Raiders, I am actually starting to get impressed with what John Gruden is doing. He's got these guys coming together. They're playing for each other. This defense of the Raiders is starting to show to bear fruit. 
I mean, if we want to talk about it that way, they are looking very stout. They are making plays. They're they're very opportunistic. They're very fast. And they're extremely difficult to find room on these last couple weeks. So adding to that, Josh Jacobs, I think he is your go-to at this point on this offense. Derek Carr is doing enough to not lose you the games now. I mean, and I've always felt I was a Derek Carr supporter. I always felt that he was underappreciated for what he is. And I mean, now he's understanding that you don't necessarily have to be the all-star. Manage the game. Manage the clock. You know, give it to your back. Finally has a running back that can take a lot of pressure off. The offensive line is playing superb. And I mean, they won. They came back in this contest. It was 20, uh, 26 to 24 was the final score. And they won on a, uh, on a run by Josh Jacobs with about a minute left in the contest. I mean, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great showing. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. But I mean, I mean, all in all, this was a game that two teams desperately needed to win. And the Raiders, they are still alive in this playoff push, which is surprising to say the least. And the way that this defense is playing, I mean, they lost Carl Joseph today, their safety, or on Thursday, sorry, it, uh, their safety to injury, and it doesn't look like he'll be returning for the rest of the season, which is a massive loss for the back end. But outside of that, I really like how they're progressing. When any new team has a new head coach or new players, you really want to see growth and progression. I think this is what we're seeing from the Raiders. So as for the Chargers, I really think that their season is in dire straits. They may not come back from this one. They're going to have to run the table if they if they want to have a shot. But now even with the Chiefs stumbling, I mean, anything is possible. They're only a, still a few games behind, a couple games behind, and I mean, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I like the Raiders a lot more after 10 weeks of play than I do like the Chargers. But So let's move right along to Sunday. So Sunday had a bunch of good contests on the slate that I was really looking forward to playing or to seeing and let's kick it off and start it with the Detroit Lions traveling to the Chicago Bears so the spread came in I believe favoring the Bears at minus two and a half points if I'm not mistaken and I believe it, it changed because uh, late Saturday night word had arose that Matthew Stafford was a doubtful contributor for this contest due to back and hip issues. This changed the entire dynamic of this game. Everything was in question now for the Lions offense, offense, which has been extremely exciting to watch. I have been a huge fan of watching Stafford chuck the ball to Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. They have no run attack, but he has been moving this offense beautifully and when he was ruled out early Sunday morning Jeff Driscoll was is the backup and he uh, took over for the start I did not expect a whole heck of a lot but I mean with that said Mitchell Trubisky has been and if you've listened to the show we've been complete naysayers on him and coach Nagy over the last several weeks and it started the exact same way I mean the Bears literally couldn't get anything moving until late in the second quarter I believe the Lions were up 6 nothing in this contest with Driscoll, and I, I was even looking and saying to some of my colleagues, like, look what is happening here. The Bears cannot put up anything positive offensively. They, they have difficult time scoring touchdowns, scoring field goals. 
this could be a win with Jeff Driscoll behind center. Nevertheless, the second half came and adjustments happened. And you had to believe that this was going to be the case because Driscoll is not a sound quarterback. The Bears defense still employs a team and a side on that team that can just stop anybody at will. The defense, I didn't really see a whole heck of a lot to be encouraged about today either. However, Trubisky and Nagy did find some good fortune, some good passes. He, uh, Mitchell Trubisky threw three touchdown passes today, which was a lot better than what we've seen. I mean, it, was, it wasn't even close to anything of a polished product. Trubisky really struggled in this contest as well which is is very glaring, especially since the Lions are not sound on the defensive side. So with that said, I mean, this contest wasn't really anything spectacular to cover, to watch. But what we did see is we saw a team that should win winning this contest. And we saw Trubisky actually make some plays. I was more disappointed with the fact that, again, David Montgomery couldn't find his way. He was he was bottled up. He wasn't used enough. I mean, 17 carries on the ground is a decent sample size for the ground attack, but he was only able to muster 60 yards for 3.5 per carry. Not near enough for a, for a matchup that was just oozing for positivity, especially for the fantasy football community. We've been preaching him for how long. His upcoming schedule is so favorable. And he just underperformed. He underwhelmed. I was not happy about that. All in all, the Bears, they come away with the victory, 20-13. to 13. The Lions made it look a lot more decent late. But it just it wasn't a good contest. It wasn't a good showing. And at least the Lions competed. I mean, what else could you say without Matthew Stafford? He is their glue. He is their franchise. He wasn't there today, and they dropped the contest. So next one on the board, we have the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. This was another contest that we did not expect a whole heck of a lot outside of the Ravens blowing out the Bengals. And that's what happened. So this is the thing when you have a team that is on the brink of elite stature like the Ravens are. They supplanted the Patriots a week ago on Sunday night on the national stage for everyone to see. This now they were gifted a tune-up contest to do whatever they wanted to perfect whatever they wanted on both sides of the ball this is what happened today so in a lot of our articles this week we had been saying that these are the types of contests that you want to perfect Lamar Jackson's passing game you know that he can run the ball that's not the question you know that Mark Ingram can run the ball that's not the question but you want to perfect his passing accuracy you want to put in some plays that you can use later on down the stretch run in the postseason, and you want to have confidence that Lamar can make them happen. This is how this game was starting. I mean, Lamar Jackson was perfect today. I mean, can we say anything bad about what he did? I mean, you can tell as the game wore on, the score was so far out of control that Coach John Harbaugh benched a lot of his starters uh, early into that fourth quarter. And, I mean, that's just the way it was. You cannot continue to beat up on a club, and the Bengals took one right on the chin, 49-13 today. Lamar Jackson, if you missed this contest, he had a highlight reel run 
that was even more spectacular than something we saw Michael Vick do in his time. It was incredible. He took off up the middle, had a spin move, and had that accelerative burst to just go into the end zone. It was unbelievable. What's even more interesting is that Mark Ingram wasn't necessarily even used in this contest. It wasn't confusing because they just had such a glaring lead already. Why risk injury to one of your best running backs? There's no point. So the funny thing about this Ravens club that I'm I'm going to be interested in seeing as this year moves forward, as we roll into the playoffs, they are, and we all know this, they are a tight end heavy club. And Mark Andrews had a day. He was the favorite target to start. He just continued to play very well. And when it wasn't Andrews, he passed it off to Boyle, Nick Boyle, his other tight end. So, I mean, this is how they are built. They play the heavy sets. Their tight ends can block. They can also catch the ball. And then he fired the deep shots to Hollywood Brown. Hollywood had a 49-yard long today. So, I mean, this offense is scary. But then on top of it, when you add what this defense can do, when we looked at Marcus Peters with his time with the with the Rams, he was getting absolutely obliterated by the opposition. He comes to Baltimore, and it was like resurrection. He took another pick six, 89 yards today. He was all over the field, all over the field. The Baltimore Ravens had two defensive touchdowns on the day to help the cause. I mean, this wasn't even a match at all. This was just fantasy statistical achievement. This was watching your favorite team play. And this was actually seeing Coach Harbaugh and the offensive coordinators getting everything done and fine-tuned. And, I mean, this is what you want to see when your team is building that elite-level status. I have to applaud the Ravens. This was a tune-up, and they handled it to perfection. They executed to perfection. So not much else to cover there other than a lot of uh, highlight reel plays, a lot of uh, fantasy football statistics that's going to get you where you need to go in the fantasy playoffs. But it's a good game. They continue to roll. The Ravens are for real. Let's not kid ourselves. And it is what it is. The Bengals continue to slide. So let's move right along. The next game we have is the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns. This was perhaps one of... I don't want to say the most interesting games on the Sunday slate, but it was up there. It was definitely up there in my books. The Browns were favored at 2-6 and six against the 6-2 and two Buffalo Bills. We really didn't understand how, I mean, understand is the wrong word. We couldn't fathom how Vegas was pushing the Browns so much. I understand they're at home. But it's clear the general population does not believe that what the Bills are doing right now is sustainable. And perhaps rightfully so. We have been critics. I mean, it's Bills Mafia. This is our support system as well. But I mean, we have also been critics on what the Bills have been doing. But to be fair, we understand that they aren't fully there yet. The Buffalo Bills showed me a lot in this game and so did the Browns. So... Baker Mayfield really needed this contest to prove that he wasn't necessarily regressing, that it is the system that is failing him and this massively loaded roster of talented players 
a.k.a. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb. Obviously now Kareem Hunt is back in the mix. But this is what we're saying. This So now this kind of confirms our thought process to believe that Freddie Kitchens, the head coach, is more the problem. He just doesn't understand what he has on this team to make it work. His play calls even in this contest were somewhat vanilla. I did see some that did promote mismatchability, but it's not near enough. I mean, when you watch the matchup between Odell Beckham and Tredavious White for the Bills, White was locking Odell down. And I mean, Trey White is a fantastic defensive back, but when you have a player as sound as Odell Beckham, you are not using him correctly. You need to create it so that he can find the open space, not just running seam routes for majority of the game. I didn't like that aspect of it, but on our start sit column this week, we did have Jarvis Landry as a big hit. You guys needed to start him. I hope you did. Hope you listened. He was the X factor in this contest outside of the run game. And why I say that, because you knew the attention was going to be drifting towards Odell Beckham. You knew there would be multiple players on that side of the field taking care of him. It was just natural to believe that Landry was going to be the next man up. And he was. He went off today. He had a very sound day. And let me break it down for you. He had nine receptions for 97 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he was your leading receiver today. But again, let's go back to the Buffalo Bills defense. We knew going into this game that this run defense is a concern. We knew it. And again, they're showing it. Nick Chubb had no problem running the ball today whatsoever. 5.8 per carry, 116 yards. And Kareem Hunt even got in on the mix. So I found this to be an interesting dynamic for this Browns team. And I thought Freddie Kitchens, to give him some credit, I think he handled this brilliantly by playing Kareem Hunt as the fullback in a lot of these plays. Kareem Hunt came into this game. He only had four rushes for 30 yards, but he had seven receptions today. Right behind Landry, he was your second leading receiver in the reception category. I think that was absolutely genius. Now you're you're daring the Bills linebackers to cover a man as fast as Kareem Hunt, as, as elusive as Kareem Hunt, and they just couldn't get it done. They were moving the ball. It was a good game plan on their part. However, the Bills, they had their moments where they were making plays. It was to the point Buffalo was leading in this contest until late in the game. I believe it was two minutes, if just not under two minutes in this contest, the Bills still had the lead, but you could tell that something was going to happen where the Browns were going to find a way to get into this end zone. Josh Allen, he, people want to blame Josh Allen for this contest, and I don't think it's rightfully so. He did have the one mistake, and it was recovered by his own team. He had room. He was running I mean, he was running towards the end zone. He was trying to make a play. And I mean, nobody is faulting Josh Allen for trying to make plays. But again, it's his ball security issues that almost cost him the game before this game even was lost. Anyway, Josh Allen dodged a bullet. His teammate landed on the ball. They ended up scoring the touchdown, taking the lead. And I mean, the defense just couldn't make the stops. But I mean, at that point, now you start to review 
time of possession. Now you start to review how many times the Bills' defense is getting tired, is getting beat. And, I mean, you can see it. So, all in all, do I believe that both teams are on a very similar level? I want to say yes and I want to say no because I believe the Bills have a lot more depth than the Browns do, but the Browns have that next-level, elite-level status on their club. The Buffalo Bills require another linebacker. They desperately need some edge-rushing presence, and they need run support. There's no question that their their secondary is top-notch. I mean, nobody's going to argue that with you, and if they are, you could tell them to go pound sign because that defensive secondary is unbelievable. But there's a lot to clean up in Buffalo, and their offense just simply can't support to give their defense enough of like a 25-point cushion where they could actually battle it out. If they have, if they're leading by 10, the defense could hold. That's how this team is built. They're not built to create the lead to come. The comeback I can actually debate as well because Josh Allen has been a very sound fourth quarter quarter uh, quarterback, and. Uh, Today, Baker Mayfield just got the best of them. It was a very interesting game. Vegas got it right. We got it wrong. The Browns needed this contest to stay in the playoff push, and the Bills lost some traction. But, I mean, I like still what the Bills are doing. Keep your head up. Progression is what we're looking for. But they have a lot to clean up, man. If they can't clean up this run defense, you're going to see big problems down the stretch against teams who have good running attacks, good running backs. So, Let's move right along. One contest, one of the upsets of the day that was just catastrophically baffling. I couldn't understand how the Atlanta Falcons could not have been doing this all season. So the Falcons take their talents to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Both clubs coming off the bye. So... Again, we keep going back to what Vegas is predicting, and Vegas had a huge spread on this one. I believe it closed at 13 points favoring the Saints and Drew Brees. I did not like that spread simply because we all know the Atlanta Falcons can still move the ball offensively. They have talent for days. Julio Jones is still a beast. Matt Ryan was coming back for this one off his ankle injury. So... It just started out that entire first half. If you want to have a, a snooze fest for Saints fans, that is what you need to put yourself to sleep. They could not get out of their own way in that first half. The defense attempted to make plays, but everything that was thrown at them, it just wasn't working. And then on top of it, I can't remember when Marcus Lattimore exited the contest, but that changed it even further. Julio Jones was being locked down to perfection by Lattimore, and when he was seen on the sidelines, that's when it was Julio time. He came out after that, and he was just cooking the secondary. Julio had a massive play. I believe it was over 50 yards. His day all in all didn't look overly spectacular, but... The game was a, was a dud. I mean, if we want to look at it, we thought this this contest would have been a very high scoring game, thirty five to twenty eight, something like that. Did not transpire that way. The contest finished twenty six to nine in favor of the Falcons. Huge upset for the Saints. 
Drew Brees threw the ball 45 times and looked pedestrian. He, outside of Michael Thomas, he just wasn't looking good. I mean, Jared Cook got in the mix, but again, it was on drives that continued to get stalled. You thought that they were gaining traction. Penalties were an issue. And the Falcons, so give them even more credit, the Falcons dialed up the pressure to perfection. Dan Quinn saving his job day. This is what he needed to do to prove to ownership and the general manager that he still is the right man for the job. They put Drew Brees under duress all day. All day. If I get it wrong, I mean, I believe they had seven sacks. No, they had six sacks on the day. But I mean, Drew Brees was under constant pressure. They could not establish the run game whatsoever, which I found to be very curious. I even believe that Sean Payton can somewhat be blamed for this one. He took the run game out of it when they were still, I mean, you were down, but you still had the opportunity to establish the run, to still set up the play action, keep it alive. Alvin Kamara had four carries. Latavius Murray had five. What are you doing? I mean... This is the staple of your team. Your offensive line was obviously struggling immensely, and this is part of the problem. They knew you were passing on every single possession. They knew you were passing on every down. Of course, they're going to continue to bring the heat. They're going to bring the blitz packages. And you did not do anything to adjust appropriately to stay in this game. Didn't like it one bit. The, the Saints, I mean, this is an anomaly I'm going to say it because I still believe the Saints are a true Super Bowl contender in that NFC. I believe this will define their season. They will get back on the good books, on the good train, because they do not want this feeling once again. And they will get better. There's no question about it. Drew Brees has to make better decisions. I mean, he wasn't terrible when he was when he was able to have time in the pocket. But outside of that, he was just under pressure all day couldn't get anything established, and even when their drives were rolling, they just got stifled and stymied. So not a great day, not a great look. As for the Falcons, I mean, not much you want to say. They're 2-7 and seven now. They're missing the postseason. They're going to be going for next season. Dan Quinn is at the point where he's just saving his job. So let's move right along. Another contest on the board that didn't necessarily have anything to do with standings but outside of fantasy football this game had its appeal the New York Jets against the New York football Giants so the battle in New York the battle of New Jersey however you want to see it I really expected this to be lack of defense and this is pretty much what it was When you look at the stat sheet, Daniel Jones went off today. Sam Darnold had a decent day. But the one thing that I just couldn't wrap my head around watching this game was how the Giants couldn't get Saquon Barkley moving. Saquon, his day was perhaps the worst of his NFL career so far. 13 carries for one rushing yard you heard me right one rushing yard from one of the best running backs in the entire league going up against the New York Jets don't like it one bit 
However, this game was all Daniel Jones, and it was clear. They were showing it. I mean, even though they gave Saquon 13 carries, Daniel Jones had four touchdown passes. Four. His man, rookie Darius Slayton. This kid's for real. If you watch him play, he is only going to get better. This is the replacement number one receiver in New York, and Golden Tate will be your slot possession guy. This is it. Sterling Shepard has basically, unfortunately, lost his time here in New York due to concussions, and I'm very confident that this will happen as the season moves on, as we go into next season. Darius Slayton is a baller. This guy can get open. He can make plays. He was cooking the secondary. He was His release off the line was superb. I liked a lot of what he was doing today. However, let's go to the New York Jets and start talking a little bit negative because even though the Jets found a way to win this contest, I'm speaking sorely of fantasy football and the fact that Le'Veon Bell I understand he's still battling that knee injury but I did not like his day whatsoever against a club that he could have done a whole heck of a lot of damage did not happen he yes he still gave you the 15 around 15 fantasy points but I mean the usage. He still got 18 carry or 18 carries today from the backfield. He just couldn't find any room. 1.9 yards per carry just won't cut it. Four catches in the ball game. That's kind of what saved your fantasy day. And I mean, if we want to talk about a guy like Jamison Crowder, he started this contest on fire. I believe he had like three or four catches for like 40 yards and he already found the end zone in the first quarter. It was it was looking like it was going to be all Crowder all day. And again, Adam Gase moves away from it. I don't even care if the Giants had adjusted their system, which they did on the defense. You continue to feed that slot receiver. Keep going. It was working. However, they did still win. The Jets own New York for another year in terms of bragging rights. Le'Veon did score a touchdown late to save his fantasy day. But, I mean, all in all, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot here. I mean, it was two teams that we expect nothing crazy out of because their seasons are basically over. The Jets ruined Vegas's spread. And, I mean, that's it. That's it for that one. What else can we say? Moving right along. A contest that I really was looking forward to was the Arizona Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kyler Murray, my guy, my man. I've been preaching this man the entire offseason, and as the year has been moving forward, the progression has just been fantastic. So when we go back and break this game down, I mean, both clubs are struggling in the win column. They're more than likely not going to be in playoff contention in the next couple weeks. Their fate will be sealed. But this was a game, again, not only for fantasy football, but for our purposes of evaluation. We wanted to see great things from Kyler Murray, and we did. I really enjoyed this contest today. The one thing I 
didn't like was how the Cardinals continue to say that David Johnson is fully healthy, fully recovered. He doesn't even touch the ball. He touched the ball five times from the backfield today. He was a non-factor. It was the Kenyon Drake show. Then it was Kyler Murray throwing the ball 44 times. I found that to be a little excessive. I It, it appeared that Coach Kingsbury for the Cardinals felt he needed to get into a shootout type of a contest with Bruce Arians, with Jameis Winston and the Buccaneers. And that's exactly what it was. It was a back-and-forth game. It was actually very entertaining. Winston, like Murray, he threw the ball almost 50 times. He had 358 yards. But again, what is the staple that we have been saying about Jameis Winston basically for his entire career? He is a turnover machine. This is what he does. If Winston could actually make the decisions better, not throw the interceptions, not fumble the ball... But, I mean, again, he had three, almost three turnovers, two confirmed. They were two interceptions on the day. And the Buccaneers are extremely fortunate to have come away with the victory. They win this contest by three off a of Peyton Barber late touchdown. Kyler Murray had the chance to, to try and pull this game back, just didn't have enough. But, I mean, this has been the problem for Jameis Winston his entire career. All he does is turn the ball over. If you're Coach Arians and you're having this job for the long haul to rebuild this club, I don't see how you can continue with Winston as your starting quarterback. I just don't see it. He continues to put you in situations you don't want to be in, and it forces you to change your plans and change your systems because you know he's going to lose you the game. All in all, when we go back and we review... The breakout guy for the Cardinals today was Christian Kirk. He had a day. This man, six receptions, 138 yards, and all three touchdowns from Kyler Murray. This is, I picked up Christian Kirk luckily off the waiver wire in one league this week. It's a keeper league that has a limited bench, so I was fortunate enough to get Kirk off the waiver. And... I would, I was ecstatic with what he was able to do today. I mean, it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary who can't seem to stop a cold, but I really am encouraged with what I see with how this offense could be built moving forward. And I mean, if David Johnson is, is really battling some sort of injury, I think it's time to shut him down and move on because Kenyon Drake is more than capable of carrying the load and this season will just be like we thought it was going to be the first year of progressive season. And I'm going to keep repeating that word because a lot of these teams are going through the, through the formations, through the foundations of evaluating what they have. And these are two teams that are in that category. So Tampa Bay wins in a close one, in an exciting one. I really enjoyed this contest, had a lot to show. So Next one, if we can jump right ahead, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans. Chiefs getting Patrick Mahomes back from injury from that dislocated kneecap after I believe it was only, what, two weeks, which was actually very surprising. But Mahomes came to play today. He was a phenomenal shower, both in fantasy, both in NFL action. It was unbelievable. He found his man... Tyreek Hill all day long, 
Travis Kelsey, he found he was found with high regularity. But when you go back and you review what had happened in this game, Ryan Tannehill wasn't saying no. That is what had happened. The Tennessee Titans continued to move forward. Derrick Henry went off. He was your stud. 23 carries, 188 yards, two rushing touchdowns. He was the one moving this offense. And then Ryan Tannehill does what he does when he needs to do it. Tannehill throws two touchdowns today, under 200 yards, in a game manager type of role. So when we talk about upsets, the Tennessee Titans upset the Kansas City Chiefs today. If you don't know the score, they lost 35-32. to Titans win. We could not believe our eyes. But here, this is exactly what we've been saying about the Kansas City Chiefs. Even with Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. I mean, even McCole Hardman got in on the mix when he caught a pass over the middle and the afterburners just went on. I believe he went for over 60 and a touchdown to put the Chiefs back in the lead. All these speedsters, all these weapons on your offense and your defense cannot help you at all. They can't help the cause. They can't stop anybody from scoring points. It is hemorrhaging on this defense right now, and this is going to preclude you from winning the Super Bowl. Unless Kansas City can score 42 points a game, you are not winning the Super Bowl with this defense. It's clear. There's nothing else that you can say to me unless over the next six weeks of this, seven weeks of this season, you see a massive turnaround with even scheme, play calling, and I mean it's just general in how the players are performing. You have a running back to the talents of Derrick Henry who is fast, big, and strong, and this killed your day. You cannot play this way. And then on top of it, the play-action pass is working, you're confused, and Tannehill gashes you. Ryan Tannehill finds touchdown touchdowns when it's needed and they upset the Kansas City Chiefs today Titans they stay alive they're five and five massive win for them in their division they're going to continue to keep pounding with Tannehill I've been saying it for how long Tannehill was the better product for this offense it was clear Mariota he's on the bench he's warming the bench now and he's not moving he's gonna stay there Because Ryan Tannehill gives you enough of what you need to move this ball in hopes that you can win. And look, they beat one of the best offenses in the NFL. So Andy Reid has got a lot of work to do. I mean, I could really see next season if they could shore up this defense being the year that they go all the way. But until something is proven to me on the field otherwise... I just can't see it. I just can't see it because you're asking Mahomes a whole heck of a lot from Mahomes. I mean, 35 points, 32 points is not a, a low score for the Chiefs. And they should they should pull these games out if they can score 30, 32 to 35 to 40 points is, is no question. So, I mean, for fantasy football, it was great for, for anybody who owned Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. It was a good day in that respect, but disappointing loss in our eyes for a team that should be moving a lot 
better than what they have been. I mean, I understand Matt Moore was replacing Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes is now back, and maybe a little bit of rust came into play, but he looked pretty sharp to me. I mean, he he wasn't he wasn't affected by the time off whatsoever. The defense just couldn't make any plays. I mean, I'm not going to make any more excuses. This is clearly the case. The defense just couldn't make the plays. So moving right along once again, next contest on the board, the Miami Dolphins and the Indianapolis Colts. This was another contest that, I mean, didn't have a lot of significance uh, for Miami especially. The Colts had to win this game to keep pace in the division. And, I mean, they had some bad news late. They had high hopes that Jacoby Brissett was going to be ready to play. And, unfortunately, late on Saturday, he again was also listed as a doubtful, if not ruled out, and the Colts went with Brian Hoyer at quarterback. So when we did the pregame review and the Vegas odds, I mean, what could we have said that would make anybody believe that Brian Hoyer could muster something special to beat the Dolphins? So the spread was it started early it was very high i believe it was almost 12 points and then it, it dipped down as as the news broke that uh that Hoyer was going to start but here's the thing the Miami Dolphins haven't played terribly over the last few games Ryan Fitzpatrick is your guy back at quarterback and i mean he just keeps you close i mean the dolphins are not a pushover as they were they're not going to be flash and dash. They're not going to give you those big monster plays and dominate the contest, but they're going to stay in the game. This is what they did. But when you look at what happened in this contest, all the blame is put on Brian Hoyer. There's no question about it. His game was awful. He couldn't find receivers to save his life. And I and I somewhat blame Frank Reich in this respect because you once he threw those first couple interceptions you knew this was going to be a problem as the game wore on and it stayed so you needed to prepare in my opinion Chad Kelly the third string quarterback he is the next guy you want on your team I understand that he has attitude problems and issues but he's got talent he's got star talent that needs to be taught in a in a in a better way that's conducive for him to grow Jacoby Brissett you signed him obviously he's gonna be your your quarterback for the next couple years but as you build you don't need a player like Brian Hoyer on your team give this young man Chad Kelly former or a nephew of former Buffalo Bills Hall of Famer Jim Kelly this kid can make plays that was the as this game was moving forward I just I really was hoping that he would defer and just put Chad Kelly in and see what he could do did not happen and Hoyer just came up short late for statistical achievement I mean there wasn't anything great in this contest to speak of Marlon Mack was okay he had 19 carries Ebron found his way back he had a bunch of drops Zach Pascal he was one of our top waiver additions for the week and we recommended to play him huge fail on our part we apologize for that if you listen because we did as well and we took a big shot to the teeth on that one and I mean sometimes it happens but all in all the Colts lose the Dolphins win by 4 16 to 12 not a very great contest 
So let's move right along. Next one on the board, the Carolina Panthers and the Green Bay Packers. So the Packers are coming off a contest that they dropped in Los Angeles against the Chargers, and we really didn't like their performance one bit. We fully expected them to come back in this one to be a lot more on point, a lot sharper, and they were. However, we do like the Carolina Panthers with Kyle Allen. A lot of people still don't really approve of what he is as a quarterback, but I really like him a lot. We The weather started to change in Green Bay as this game was moving on. It was It was light snow early, turned into heavy snow, but this was a very, very good game. Both clubs were pushing very hard to continue to play, and I mean, it was very entertaining. The issue was Carolina could not stop the run game where the Packers had their issues versus the pass. So even McCaffrey, I mean, he had a day on the ground as well. But all in all, it just it felt like there was just one or two plays or two missed plays that the Panthers could have had in this game, and they could have pulled out the upset. They were right there with the Packers. Let's not kid ourselves. If you caught this one, you would have really felt the same way. Kyle Allen, he did make his mistakes. He got some help from Greg Olson. He got some help from uh, DJ Moore today. I mean, there were some big catches in this contest from their part. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, again, he's not doing everything spectacular from what we used to see Aaron Rodgers do. He did not have a touchdown pass in this game again, but he was finding Devontae Adams. And it, it, it really showed to me that they still are searching for that secondary receiver to take the pressure off, and the trust isn't really there. I mean, Lazard, he had attempts. He dropped a couple balls. Geronimo Allison just isn't cutting it, and I was a really big Geronimo Allison guy in the offseason. I thought he was going to take the next step. He just hasn't shown it. I mean... When you went to Jimmy Graham a little bit more often, he looked good. Uh, he had a touchdown called back. But, I mean, he still is, isn't is your guy to be your number two. So this is what I see, which is wrong with the Packers offense at this point. I mean, Aaron Jones, he is the guy in the run game. It's working. He has shown the flash. I have to eat my words. I was staying away from Aaron Jones in the offseason simply because of his injury history. But I'll, I'll eat it. He's stayed healthy. And he's taken a heavy workload, and he still remained healthy. So, I mean, he had a very good day. The Packers looked okay. The defense on Green Bay, to me, still has some issue, and you can gash them. And it was shown today. Kyle Allen went for over 300 yards. Christian McCaffrey went over 100 yards on the ground as well. He even got his normal work in in the pass game for six receptions. Panthers are looking okay. They're still in this by all means. Five and four is not a death sentence in that division. They are still in this game, in this season. So it was a very entertaining game in the long run. I liked it a lot. It came down to the wire. Christian McCaffrey fell, I believe it was, what, one yard short of the goal line to have the opportunity to go for two and tie this game. Didn't happen. He was short, and the Packers win. So when you're at that point, I mean, it just shows. You can compete with a team of this magnitude in Green Bay. I like what I see from the Carolina Panthers moving forward a lot. 
So we'll we'll skip right ahead after that one, and we'll go to another upset that was just absolutely flabbergasting to me because we have said it already for weeks and weeks, but it's true once again. The Los Angeles Rams travel to Pittsburgh, and the Rams are broken. This is clear. I mean, let's not take away what it really was. The Pittsburgh Steelers' defense is an absolute terror. They're an absolute nightmare. And all credit goes to Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, the trade to get Minka Fitzpatrick from the Miami Dolphins. He has changed the entire landscape of what this Pittsburgh Steelers defense is. Pittsburgh's defense has always been a very sound blitzing squad, but it was obvious that they were missing that Palomalu old-school quarterback on the back end And this is what Fitzpatrick does for this defense. He is in every play. You see him, he's all over the field. It was incredible what they were able to do against this Rams offense. Jared Goff was horrific. Horrific. And when you still go back and you look, Todd Gurley is not the same guy. If he has a legitimate knee issue... His lateral movement, it's true. We had this discussion before. He can no longer move with the same type of explosiveness laterally that he used to. He is now looking more and more like a north-south runner. And that's unfortunate because he still has a lot of years left, potential years left, and it just looks he just does not look like the same dominating running back. He looks ordinary, and it's creating problems for this offense because Everything starts with the run game with Sean McVay with a sound offensive line. That's another key. The offensive line does not look as sharp as it used to last season. And things are just looking really, really bad in L.A. If you think that at this point of the season the Rams were going to be 5-4, third in their division, and you have the Seahawks and the 49ers ahead of you who are the the 49ers are undefeated and the Hawks are going to be playing the Niners on Monday to see where they could climb higher. You have a very high possibility of missing the playoffs. Coach McVay and the former or the Super Bowl contenders of last season. A lot I don't like in LA at this point. I really don't like it at all. When it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, we already covered this defense. I mean, they this is what's going to carry this team. There's no question about it. Mason Rudolph is asked to do the the little things correctly, and he is. He's not giving this ball away. He's still having issues in the pocket. He holds the ball a little too long, but then drops from his receivers are continuing to be a problem. But, however, he just needs to continue to move forward. They didn't have James Conner in this contest again due to injury. So think of that when you're reviewing this game and how impressive it is that this defense won this game for them. And the the offense was able to generate enough points to help the cause against an L.A. Rams defense that is supposed to be top-notch, and they are not performing that way either. So Rams fans... You got a lot to worry about. Steelers are back in this 5-4 and four after a horrendous start, and they're alive. Very interesting, very good game. 
when it came to the respects of defensive play. Offensively, you were you were lulled to sleep a little bit, but I'm very disappointed in what I'm seeing in this Rams offense. And and be clear, if this doesn't make the playoffs this year, the Rams, they don't make the playoffs, they're going to retool that offense. You're going to see a Cooper Cup didn't even have a reception today. That's how badly he was locked down. No Brandon Cooks to injury. Robert Woods stepped up in the second half. But, I mean, this was the thing. You were shut down by an elite up-and-coming defense led by Minka Fitzpatrick and Devin Bush. I really like this defense a lot. So, and in Sunday night, we had the game that I was so excited to watch, the Minnesota Vikings traveling to the Dallas Cowboys. So here's the thing. Everybody continues to push the the agenda of the Dallas Cowboys, believing they are the team that should be Super Bowl ready, should be contenders. But let's be clear and let's be honest finally about the Cowboys. Can we please because I'm tired of hearing that they are this elite-level club. They are there, but they are not there. And, and if that sounds confusing, you need to understand it from my perspective and my opinion. Dallas has the ability. Dallas can run the ball. Dallas can throw the ball. The defense is what is your greatest concern. You don't have that killer instinct that I believe that this team should have. At the beginning of the year, they had it. And somewhere along the lines, I believe it lasted till about week three or four, and then it started to fall off. The Minnesota Vikings are a club that I truly believe if they can figure out every single inadequacy in their game, they are a legitimate contender to win it all. And people will scoff all they want. Kirk Cousins is learning how to be clutch. And I know what you're saying because I have that same belief that you can't learn to be clutch. It's either something you have or it's something you don't. So when you learn to be clutch, it is just taking care of the ball, not giving it away. And that will improve his ability to be clutch at the quarterback position. So again, here's how it works for the Minnesota Vikings. It was a perfect showing in most respects I mean the Vikings defense did get gashed again today and they seem to be one of the biggest weaknesses on this team Kirk Cousins however is not your greatest weakness he missed only nine passes today was sacked only once didn't turn the ball over and threw two touchdown passes no Adam Thielen on the field today due to injury so what does that say even without your greatest Target. I mean, arguably, Stefan Diggs could be your 1A, 1B to Adam Thielen. But no Thielen. They can target uh, Stefan Diggs with double coverage all day. And you still were able to find Kyle Rudolph. So you cannot tell me that Kirk Cousins doesn't have enough ability and doesn't have what's working right now to prove to me that they aren't legitimate. They are. They're for real. So long as Dalvin Cook can stay healthy and this run game continues to move. If they lose Dalvin Cook to injury, God forbid, I have him on my fantasy team. That's a, that's a bad word in this area. But as long as Dalvin Cook can stay healthy and still run the ball like he has been all season, 
Kirk Cousins is doing everything necessary to win you the games. He's executing the play-action pass. He's actually hitting the out routes appropriately and properly. He's, he's dissecting the zone coverages. This is what you wanted Kirk Cousins to do when you brought him here, but he needed that support, and now he's finally getting it. So when it comes to the Cowboys, I don't want to be such a naysayer like I started this, uh, this segment for this contest to be. Dak Prescott was very good today. Let's not kid ourselves. He almost threw 400 yards today. He was very sound. He was very good. The run game was there. Zeke Elliott was there, but it cooled off as the game wore on, and it, 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 it appeared that Dallas wanted to go to a more heavy pass attack and let Dak win this game, which was kind of puzzling to me because this game was, is, was well in their grasp, was well in their reach, and they could have run the ball to keep it going, but control the clock, that would have probably helped them a little bit more. I mean, it came down to the wire. I mean, it was 28-24 to for the Vikings' final score, but I mean, I think that they got out of what they do best. Throwing the ball 46 times with Dak Prescott is not what you do best. But I mean, even with that said, I want to I wanna feel like they tried to run the ball, the Cowboys I'm speaking of, because Elliott did run 20 times. Y- you feel like the Vikings actually bottled it up more than what you saw on, 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 the, on the broadcast. But I mean, Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, they came to play. Michael Gallup came to play. They have a trio of receivers. So when when Randall Cobb got signed to this club, I was really excited because I thought he would bring that next level to this offense. And today was that day. It It was proof that it could happen with Randall Cobb. But the defense for the Cowboys has to be seen as the greatest problem but it's almost similar because the Vikings, they have the ability to make those big stops like they did today, but they are very bendable and beatable. So it's going to be very interesting. I still like the Vikings over the Cowboys all in all, in all respects moving forward in the NFC, but it's going to get interesting as we, as we head down the last seven weeks of the year. So basically, that's it for Sunday, and let's look at what we have on Monday Night Football. We have an absolute dandy with the 8-0 San Francisco 49ers taking on the Seattle Seahawks, who are 7-2. This game is going to be phenomenal. I'm looking for Russell Wilson to continue down the MVP train season that he is on right now to stick it to the 49ers, to show them that they are not the team in the NFC West. But from the 49ers' perspective, I am looking to see if they are truly, truly for real. I think beating Seattle does give you even more credibility, even though you are 8-0. Don't get me wrong. I think getting eight wins in a season, you are moving in the right direction. But I want to see it done against even more skill, and that is Russell Wilson and this offense. Jimmy Garoppolo shouldn't have much of an issue finding ways to beat the Seahawks' defense because they they will watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tape where Jameis Winston was able to throw the ball all over the field. But this is going to all happen in the trenches. George George Kittle's not going to play in this contest. Apparently, he is listed as a doubtful, so that's going to be a massive loss for the 49ers pass game. So I fully expect Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida to be a main focus. 
but we'll see. I want to see a great game, and I think we're in for it. It's going to be a showing. And for my appetite, I really do believe that the Seahawks are going to walk into San Francisco and they're going to steal one. I really do. I feel like Russell Wilson will have enough, even though this defensive line is a beast on San Francisco. I think Russell Wilson will have more than enough to get by. So I think defense will be a big one for the Seahawks. If they can stifle stifle the run game of the 49ers, that'll only help and help Russell Wilson. But from what we're seeing, Tyler Lockett, he should be on point. I feel like if Josh Gordon plays, it's just going to add to the dynamics that the Seahawks and Pete Carroll can make on this offense. So it's going to be a great showing. I'm very excited, and and we don't get too many of these on Monday night lately, so enjoy it. It's going to be a great one. But anyway, on that note, that is Week 10, people. The season continues to fly. We are mere seven weeks left of the regular season. So we are in the home stretch. It is happening. The playoff picture is starting to move forward. Fantasy playoff season is approaching. Most of us start the fantasy playoffs in week 14, so we are getting closer and closer. Those wins become that much more valuable. Don't forget to check out our work on All Day Football. We have always the waiver wire. We have start sit, and, and we have point spread. So, so until next week, thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in. We are on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. And once again, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. We always appreciate you. And until next week, stay humble, stay peaceful, take care of each other. I'm out.